What's up? Welcome to a new album. <laughs> okay, stop. Okay. <clears throat> What's up? Welcome to a new episode of Movie Schmovie. This is episode number 352. <laughs> stop, dude. <laughs> you holding your breath is like not going to help me get through this. Okay. All right, here we go. Take three. And <laughs> what's up? Welcome to a new episode of Movie Schmovie. This is episode number 352. My name is Steve. I'm one of the co-hosts. And as always, I'm joined by Rod. There he is. And John. And there you are. Yes. Uh, we made it. We got through that opening. Yeah. Uh, third, yeah. third time's a charm. Uh, the giggle how you guys boys. Doing? Yeah. How you guys doing? <laughs> You know, feeling pretty Great. good. For whatever reason, I feel like you've got a good <laughs> bubbly energy coming into this episode. Good. Let's keep, so, see yeah, if we can keep it up and yeah. keep keep Ronald awake, and we'll, we'll be go- golden. <laughs> I apologize about this blurry background. I had to call an audible. I... <laughs> it's okay. It it, it 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 selectively blurs out the brand of your water, so we don't have to worry about any yeah. kind of like copyright things or whatever <clears throat> yeah. on the video. Um, good to see you guys. Yeah, sorry we missed a week last week. Uh, life comes up as it does sometimes, but uh, it's good to see you guys. And uh, we got a fun episode ahead of us. We're going to talk about uh, this week's required viewing, which the last uh, the last episode I picked, uh, never ending story. So we'll get into that in a moment. And um, I think we're all pretty excited to talk about <clears throat> the new Marvel special presentation uh, of Werewolf by Night, which is now playing on Disney Plus. Um, if you haven't watched it, um, it's available there for streaming uh, right now. It came out last week. Um, and then we'll kind of get into some other also brands and some things we've seen, some shows, some movies. I know John's really excited to talk about a sequel he watched um, <laughs> at the end of the show. Um, so wait for that with bated breath. But quickly, though, we wanted to talk about a news item that we planned to talk about last week. And um, it was an article that I came across. I sent around to everyone um, and we started talking about it on our Facebook thread. Basically, and, and I don't know if you have it pulled up, John, but I don't have it pulled up. But like, in essence, it's the idea of Bruce Willis has or the, his estate, he, his character, whatever's happening there, have agreed to sell his likeness to uh, a technology firm that is involved in like the deep faking of, you know, uh, the CG deep fakes of, of people, you know, and whether it's in a commercial, a, a movie, a television, what, whatever it ends up becoming, it's, it's kind of like this official thing. It's kind of the first time. And we can talk about the James Earl Jones announcement too. Um, you know, where there's been something official out there saying, you know, he's not going to be making movies anymore. He's retired because of his health condition, but you know, somebody's making money, his family, him, whoever it is, by signing this agreement to say this company can basically take his likeness and make digital characters out of them, deep fake characters, whatever it ends up being called. And uh, I don't know. It seemed really interesting, like an interesting situation since it felt like kind of like the first official time, like that's been more of a proactive thing as opposed to where we've seen some of these CGI recreations of, of, of actors and characters who have since passed away you know, in movies and shows um, with, with differing levels of success, but you know, their families are always involved in that stuff, but that's kind of always because of the property that's taking place, you know, or this movie that's being uh, filmed or in production where this felt more like, or reads more like a, Hey, we want to 
you know, make this something that you can keep making stuff with his likeness, even if he's not able to make movies. Right, um, right. It's the not able to or stepping away to deal with right. his aphasia uh, a diagnosis where it's like, it's a little bit of a career extension that maybe Bruce Willis feels like he wouldn't otherwise have. Right. But it also allows like that. I mean, that posthumous question comes up of like the family or a company making a decision of how you are going to be used. I mean, if you're Bruce Willis, but if any of us are also a human being, you can imagine what that would mean for someone to like have the rights to use your likeness in perpetuity, especially in a sense of playing roles in movies for sure. It's like, I, I, I'm sure that, like you said, the family's usually involved, and so maybe the slippery slope is not so slippery on a legal basis, but I do find it interesting to think of, like, what if uh, someone owns your likeness, and then you fall from favor, and then they can just use your likeness in a in a way that's, like, things, like, th roles you never would have taken, or, sure. you know what I mean, things you never would have consented to do on screen, they can make you do digitally. Again, I'm sure that's not going to be Bruce Willis's fate uh, with his involvement. It sounds like he's actually involved right now in using some of this technology to give him a chance to appear in, right. in films, or at least the plan for him would be to be able to, to witness and enjoy some of this usage, maybe. Um, but that idea that, yes, a, a deal is made and you're selling your likeness. Um, I mean, it already happens with action figures and coffee mugs and merch and stuff. So I don't know, Ronald, how do you feel about this idea, this this extra level of of not just a company owning the rights to an image they may have of you, but like somebody saying, okay, we've got a, a virtual clone of Ronald and, and he works for us now. <clears throat> I mean, as long as my family got a cut, it wouldn't feel so predatory. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like Bruce Willis's family and estate probably agreed to some terms. They, I don't know if he would have signed if they weren't, you know, kind of helping him out on some end. Right. You know, it's like there could be like, you know, there could be another M. Night movie that has him in it. You know, there may be something really slick that they want to do that, that may involve him that you know, with the right lighting and stuff like that, you just you just never know what they can accomplish. So they can finally do that color of night prequel that everyone's yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm super so I, I'm I'm interested to see where it goes. I'm you know, with I guess we could talk about James Earl Jones at some point in this conversation, but just hearing about things like that and the company that is uh based in um in Russia. Yeah who basically worked in silos to develop the voice of uh, Darth Vader, you know, in, in James Earl Jones's absence, he kind of said that he couldn't perform at the level that he wanted to. And, you know, that this company took over and it sounded nuts. I mean, yeah. if you listen to it, it sounded really good. Yeah. The fact that, you know, if you, if there are a lot of services where you could talk for five minutes, you know, and the, the more you talk, the better it gets, but it could pretty much take your inflections figure yeah. out how you say things and it it's smart enough to know is incredible but it, it really is just about how much you agree to and you know versus what you know it's it's like what you were saying like it could bastardize into something where we're like you know you're getting kicked in the balls you know versus you being a hero in a movie it, you could also be like fodder for a joke so mm -hmm. i don't know well i mean i, I, I think that 
The, the one thing I want to say, Ronald, about the James Earl Jones part that you just brought up is that that's yet another case of an artist saying, okay, I'm not able to do this anymore. So while I'm still around, I still exist, um, mm -hmm. I'm going to almost like leave my stamp on this thing. So, I mean, obviously James Earl Jones got paid. Um, yeah. I think, is he one of those people who famously didn't take a profit share? in star wars i, I feel i, I feel like there's there's tons of those little stories of somebody yeah, who decided yeah. not to share in the profits of something um uh where you realize that they probably should have but someone got yeah. paid but no james earl jones has always been associated with with darth vader and and um so much so that his name was listed in, uh at time i mean well we think of him more than we think of the the, the people that are physically in the suit you know oftentimes sure. we don't have we don't yeah. have any idea who's in the suit so um I mean, David Prowse is known, and then Hayden Christensen, I think, has been wearing it recently. But in general, it's like it's it's that voice that makes that character and that sound design around that voice. So it's him taking charge of it a little bit, uh, Ronald, like you said, and doing it before before he dies. And then there's some debate about what they can do. There's obviously some choice made to say like, and I'm sure James James Earl Jones is proud of his role in movie history in this way and wants Darth Vader maybe to have a long life. Um, uh, I don't think Lucasfilm is going to stop using Darth Vader, so I'm glad that they get to keep using that that voice. That's so much better than them having to resort to something different or whatever. But um, it is still it is part of that question of like, yeah, are you at some point you're not here anymore, and then you're not the one making those decisions, and you have to trust yeah. that your family is, uh, you know, uh, uh, sort of thinking about things the same way you would, or shares your values about how your your voice or your image could be used. Um, I want to say real quick, I, you know, it's, <laughs> this, this is the, uh, the top notch, uh, research that this podcast provides. I'm just noticing to the, to the I, again, I, again, again, we were, we were going to talk about this last week and I'm reading an article that came out, uh, more recently. I don't know, I guess in the past few days that apparently this, maybe he didn't sell his likeness to this, this, this company, <laughs> That, no. uh, that, uh, but, but that but that basically because i mean it got reported everywhere but basically it's saying that um that willis remains the exclusive owner of the rights to his likeness that his agency caa that it may that start it may have started there because they did work with bruce willis in 2021 for these commercials that this company deep cakes did these commercials with him and he's on the website quoting his experience with them for that commercial. So I don't know how they went from that to him selling his likeness unless it kind of backfired. But they, they, they basically, since that original article came out, it did come out saying that they basically, a spokesperson for Bruce Willis has denied that any ongoing partnership is in place with Deep Cake. Um, now, are we sure that's a real spokesperson for Bruce Willis and not a deep cake? That's what I'm getting of at, a, <laughs> uh, of his spokesperson, right? A fake cake. Um, but, but I mean, regardless, I mean, that news breaking, even if they're denying it, and I don't know, maybe that comes around and something is happening. But, you know, that kind of getting picked up and run with is just an interesting, even if it, even if it ends up not being true. I mean, like the James Earl Jones thing is... The Darth he's Vader stuff is that. true. It's true. Right. All he, of it. He, he's talked about that. And this is going to be something yeah. that will eventually happen. It's just an interesting idea that it would happen with an actor of Bruce Willis's stature post an announcement from his family, like, you know, about what's going on with his health. Um, and, it, you know, 
And that it's, it, it's a situation where you could see the technology possibly pairing up with a need or an interest to kind of keep a likeness uh, in, at least in the digital world alive and, and working. Um, so I don't know. We'll have to see how that pans out. But yeah, it looks like since that original article came out, there's been some uh, there's been some movement on whether or how accurate that is. I'd be curious if it changes right. even in the next few weeks, because it, it was like, you know, a week later that they denied it. So like the news was out there for a week. And then they said it wasn't the case. So um, it's still an interesting point. And like he was being promoted or kind of the publicity was like, he's like the first like big name to do this. And, you know, somebody will be that. And it's no doubt that it'll happen in the near future. Um, So it's still an interesting conversation. And like everything that John mentioned specifically, like about, you know, what becomes of your likeness, you know, in terms of what they're doing with it, with the characters that they're playing, you know, with, the quality of the performance, you know, like to put your likeness on top of somebody else, you know, the quality assurance and control is very questionable. Mm -hmm. Um, You want to assume positive intent, obviously, but you never know. Which Um, might be why Bruce Willis seems to have not done that. Yeah. Possibly. Yeah. (laughs) But I think he probably did it. And then somebody was like, what if you get kicked in a dick? Like I like, like Ronald on movie schmovie said, And they were like, he was like, you know what? That's fucking crazy. I don't, I don't want to have them beat me up or something like that, right. or put my head on a horse or something like that. It's just fucking. <laughs> I love the idea that that would be the the breaking point. That that that's where it stops. Like I'm not willing to do that. No I'm centaurs. Not, I do not want to be a centaur. Not doing it. Um, but at any rate, I hope I hope listeners and viewers appreciate that they just witnessed us learning something and so it's like <laughs> you can always learn even after 350 odd episodes um, Hell yeah you can still learn well let's move on to something that we're a little bit more informed about i guess which is something mm-hmm. we've mm-hmm. all watched so steve <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe remind us what allowed uh, uh, like what what allowed this film to cross our paths what made you choose uh, the never-ending story for our required viewing again i'm trying to remember uh well i feel like it was mainly because we had done Brave Little Toaster and like I had been thinking about like things from the 80s, like movies from the 80s. And you did Last Unicorn and, you know, we were going through these things and I was trying to think of an animated one. Nothing really popped in my mind immediately. But that week that we did Brave Little Toaster, I was talking to a friend of mine about the never ending story. I don't know if it was like tied into a Stranger Things conversation, possibly, but um, and just kind of made me realize that I hadn't seen it in a long time. And um, I knew you know, that I think it's on, it was on HBO Max and easily to watch. And um, yeah, so it felt like a good opportunity just to say, hey, I want to watch it again. And I can I can ask John and Ronald to watch it with me. So <laughs> it seemed like a good yeah, choice. Yeah. So you can require us. It's not even an that's, ask. That's it's that's what like, it is. Yeah, yeah it's like it's yeah, can't say no. Um, and but I mean, have you guys seen the movie? Both of you prior to this or I'm I made an assumption, but have, have either of you seen it? Yes. 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 Okay. Cool. And an exorbitant it. amount of times from. Me. Okay. Right. Right. I think you mentioned that last episode. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I was wondering about that. How it remained as a touchstone? Because I mean, I, I, I would have been sort of the right age for it. I guess I would have been eleven when it came out. I remember checking it out from the library and watching it after school one evening. That's all I remember. And I remember waiting for it because it was the kind of movie that. You know, as a kid, you you really wanted to see something that had like creatures and 
fantasy realms right. and all that kind of stuff in it. But but for whatever reason, it never really became one of my movies, and I don't think I've watched it since that day, like, since that afternoon oh, wow. that I watched it. So for me, this really was like cracking open something that I had memories of, but not not strong memories of at all. Yeah. And I, I all I knew was that it seems like people that came along a little bit after my generation, like maybe, maybe you know, at, not different generation necessarily, but people who came along in the next 10 years, it seems, um, are, we're more likely to grow up with an attachment uh, to this movie. So I don't know. Yeah. yeah, that would that would definitely be like probably closer to mine and Ronald's. Yeah, because I because I definitely have like a, a affinity for this film, and uh, I hadn't watched the German version or whatever that version that Ronald was mentioning on last episode, and I and maybe yeah. I should. But you, um, I mean, it's it's beautiful, but it also doesn't have any of the themes of it at, at the beginning. Or the end. And then they put this like weird accent on the character with the hat. Mm. He has like this, like, I don't, I don't know in the, the American hat. version, does he have this like, remember when they go to the, there's like the snail character, the snail oh. that goes really fast. Yeah. The guy, the guy that like rides the snail. Yeah. What, what kind of accent does he have in the American version? Um, He's, well, that's Deep Roy, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And I believe he is doing sort of a, 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 almost like he's doing like a British accent, but not a very good one. Okay, in the German cut, he has a Southern accent. He's I, like, I, "Come on, guys, what are you doing right now?" Maybe like, he's doing. Maybe maybe it's a bad strange. Southern accent, but either way, it's no, one no, of those. No, 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 no. The accents are different. Like they oh, okay. they did a different voiceover for the character. I'm I'm not sure why. I'm not sure what that the German cut has. It's a lot of choices were made in the OG version versus the. The updated American one that eventually came like a year after or so that the movie was made or something like that. But right, what a weird, weird choices. But I, I guess, I guess, because you know we love it, John. What the fuck did you think of this movie, man? What did you think of such such an interesting? Because I'm curious, man. Because we we obviously hold this thing pretty close to the. Heart, I would you know? I would almost rather hear you guys talk about what it is that makes it strike such a chord with you and then sure. we can talk about just the experience for me of watching it. I mean it's a weird movie, but it does have a different energy than a lot of other uh movies of its type in a way. I mean, so uh, but but yeah, but I wouldn't I mean I don't have like it was just wild. I mean, I guess my my my, yeah. my short response would be that it's just full of things that they really go for it and it's hard not to enjoy the you know the kind of older tech you know pre-cgi sort of yeah. way of doing a world like this but that's also a, a real limitation uh, on this movie and i just looked it was a 60 million dollar <clears throat> 60 million dollar budget which was a, a lot i guess for those days um yeah. and uh and well no it's about united states Maybe twenty-five to twenty-seven million. Oh. So it was a sixty million Deutschmark uh, budget, which is a weird way to record it on, on here. <laughs> um, but I guess it was a German pro production. But it made about a hundred million dollars U.S. in the box office. So I suppose wow. it was enough of a success that you know it yeah. spawned sequels and had like a cultural imprint. But it is an you know it's it's it reminds me honestly of. The Last Unicorn, which we watched a couple uh, episodes ago, because it's like a fantasy story that has a, a weird dreamlike energy and a weird dreamlike pace to it. 
uh, it doesn't feel the same as, like I said, others of its type. It's it's a little bit different, and that's where I'm yeah. really curious to hear what it is that that you know what a couple super fans love about it. <clears throat> I mean, for me, I, I can kind of have like that reference point that you kind of were describing. Like I can remember like watching this. Like getting that rental from like the library or something like you, you get that bag with the white snaps at the top on the handle. I don't know if you, you remember those when you used to mm-hmm. rent the, the movies yes, from the library. For sure, um, man. But I don't know. I just have like very vivid memories of like watching this movie with my mom and, you know, just like much like the characters watching it or reading his book in the in the movie, like, you know, on like rainy days and like I was home from school or like, you know, we were off of school or things like that. You know, just like, you know, Ashley was like watching or reading this book. I feel like I would do the same with this movie. Like I would just put this movie on and watch it. And I mean, to be honest, like, you know, when it came out, I was I was only three years old or four years old. So I definitely obviously came to it on home video and, you know, uh, a few years later. But I think what stood out to me and, and in the times I've watched it since and even the most recent viewing of it is definitely like uh kind of how surreal and dark you know the fantasy is in this story and i really always remembered liking how um like the story in fantasia starts out you know as the movie goes on i always loved how like the the story that bastion's reading reading and and the fantasia that we see through his story it's so bright and beautiful. And as the story goes, like you can see the nothing basically encompassing that world, you know, as Atreyu tries to find this cure. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know, like as a kid, like, I don't even, I don't want to like be like excessive in saying this, but like, I feel like it was one of the first memories I had of like, like a style, like a choice in a movie almost, you know, like, yeah. you know, it was a family film. It was a fantasy film. The, you know, there were moments in Bastion's world that were very scary and like as the story got scarier, like there was things in his world that were scaring him more. Like just this idea of like the parallelism and you know the fact that there are dark things in in the story and there's dark things in your world and there are bright things that keep your world alive. You know, there was so much there was so much parallel storytelling happening as he's reading this book. And um and I honestly just I think there's iconic, there's iconic characters in this in the movie. You know, like I, everyone I just mentioned, you know, I didn't even say Falcor, but or, you know, Stonebiter, like things like that. I remember these characters, you know, I'm 40 over 40. You know, I just turned 41 last week and I'm just like I'm talking about the never ending story still right. and and very passionately because it's it's definitely one of the my favorite movies of like that that era of my life. And when I look back on it, the more I think about it, it's like I really valued how dark it got. And I, I, I kind of felt the same way about like a movie like Labyrinth, you know, and, you know, years later, Princess Bride would do the same kind of storytelling where you're kind of like reading a story and seeing the fantasy and, you know, the excitement in both worlds and things like that. But I don't know, the never ending story always just stood out to me, maybe because it was like one of the first ones I'd seen like that. And um, and again, you know, as a kid that probably watched it when I was <laughs> probably six or seven years old, if not younger, like. Maybe that was too young, but I just remember how dark it felt, you know, amongst other things that I was probably watching at that time. Um, but still so optimistic, you know, like and so so there's so much still about it that I, I that, that that was like fantastical to me. And that, that's not to be funny, like with Fantasia, but like I just think that 
the way that world was presented and uh the journey that atreyu was on um was just so cool to me and like his name is atreyu and is like you know <laughs> it's a dragon called falcor and there's like the whole artax scene is like something that will scar you for life depending when you've seen that movie and yeah. um that's just those like key things like i i feel like a lot of people of our age know this movie they know those scenes they know those characters they're like they're got they're kind of iconic and i think just like stained in my mind and it's just like a, the main reason i love it is just because it's like it's i find it to be very rewatchable I, it's like one of those um comfort watches for me you know like i just put this on i could watch this movie so easily um but i don't know yeah what about you ron what what kind of what what's the big takeaways that you find like the reasons why you know you you hold it in high um regards i was i was a undersized kid with a really squeaky voice um <laughs> and i was you know i was scared i was scared of the fucking world because i was like you know i was the oldest of my family but i was also the that small kid with a really squeaky voice and no one really was scared of or took seriously right and i was nerdy and 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 it didn't feel like that that mattered you know, it's just like that doesn't matter that you have these pockets of obsession. And I see this movie with this kid that doesn't look like me, but his experiences are pretty similar, right? Right, right. And um, I'm like, and and this is the first movie that I saw besides uh uh maybe Rainbow Bright, because Rainbow Bright, the Rainbow Bright movie really where music was was like pivotal like like this is adult music in a kid's movie like it felt like orchestral stuff used in a way that i had never really heard as a kid in a movie and it was like so our aaron had never seen the never-ending story right wow. she was like a kid you watch this as a kid i'm like yeah she's like the horse died yeah People are dying and they don't come back at, at the end of the movie so for some of these characters. I'm like, yeah, this was this was what I this was it for me. Like it was so there was permanence about it, right? So like as a kid, I'm like, oh, people, things could die. And yeah, not to mention, not to mention that Gamorg is like frightening. Yes, yes. It's like yeah. all, all those elements. And and people don't help them all the time. Like when Atreyu goes to the the big like turtle and he's just like, no, I can't help you. And he just sneezes on him. He, he's like, that's it. He he doesn't help him. Like it, it's it's so weird to watch a movie that had so much realism in terms of like your journey being fucking hard and people not helping you sometimes that really resonated with me as a kid and really still resonate with me now. So like Aaron's watching this movie with me. She's like, this is so fucking dark. This yeah. is not a kid's movie. I would have enjoyed it as a kid. This was like my lifeblood. This is like <laughs> my access to like, I got brave through this movie. I was like, I can face anything. If, right. he, could, if he could, if he could come out of this trash can, and I yeah, got right? bullied a little bit, man. Like I, you know, I was like I said, I was really small, like to the point where like people didn't think I was in the grade I was in. Right. Ever. Right. They're like, you're in the first grade. You look like you're in pre-K. So anyway, that's neither here nor there. So this movie fucking hit me like a ton of bricks. Plus, there were titties in the movie. 
when they got to the gate, like it was like my adult movie that I couldn't really statue, like, mom, statue, the, the, statues, like, man. Like, and my mom would like let me see this movie, and I'm just hey, like, John, you take what you can get, man. You take. What no, you I can just, get. yeah, I just wanted to be clear that if in case anyone's thinking, wait, where yeah, did I miss, that, did like, I miss right. something? It's just like there's a couple of like, um, what do you call those? Topless sphinx sort of characters. Are those they're not sphinxes though. What do you call the ones with the wing? They almost are like harpies, but I don't think that's what they are. But at any rate. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, that stuff was like huge for me. It's it had all these elements. It was so, violent. Yeah, no, no, it was violent. It was violent. That, that... And it had breasts in it, and it was an adventure. And the I was I'm not even gonna lie to you, man. Don't I was to 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 say that I was I was in love with the childlike empress is an understatement. She yeah. had the prettiest face I'd ever seen in my life. You're right. And it was like really hard for me to process as a kid. I was just like, why do I feel like fireworks are in my fucking head? <laughs> and it's just her face. It's like nothing really like she has this really soft voice. And it was like yeah. overwhelming to me. It was overwhelming to me yeah. that this 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 girl. So all that stuff together and the trade was so fucking cool around her. I'm like, I would never be like that around this. But like I said, like, like I said though, his name is Atreyu. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's a good start. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I was gonna so, just say that, like, and, and even listening to you talk about it, it's like that's the tie back to uh, the last unicorn because there were like those hidden titties on that tree, and then our our jump forward to Werewolf by Night because Gamork is like a scary fucking werewolf. And I was yes. like, we're, "This is what we do here. We just tie it all together." Yeah, connection, you know I mean? man. Synergy. Yeah, okay. Right. Yeah. John, what, what, where are you at on this? I mean, I I think I am. I'm responding to the um the the weird nature of the what you guys are talking about. The fact that this is a movie that has like a kid. Like he starts off the movie. His mother has died, and uh, uh, Gerald McCraney uh, is there. Uh, it's before he's aged into playing, uh, you know, William Randolph Hearst, or is that who he played? No, he didn't play Randolph Hearst. He played um, Major Dad. <laughs> I can't remember which. It was Hearst on on Deadwood, though. But I don't remember which. Uh -oh. It was like um, what I, for real? Yeah, I see him as Major Dad, and, and he was one of the Simon brothers on Simon and Simon. Yes. Um, uh, but yes, Major Dad was perhaps his most name brand, <laughs> his production Deadwood. for years. What? I gotta go back and watch. Now, you remember Hearst, right? The the villain of of season three and the and the movie was was the dad in this. But I love, yeah. You know, so he's the, you know, the, the, and the darkest thing is that whatever the dad's making in the blender with that raw egg, um, oh yeah, that he slowly drinks. I feel like that was just a that was just Gerald McCraney on the set being like. <laughs> I'm going to show everybody I can slowly sip this disgusting beverage. That's how tough I am. But I don't know, like the darkness of the the mom having died and the darkness of the kid getting bullied and he kind of goes and hides and the darkness of um, the horse uh, sinking into the quicksand or the quick mud uh, and some of the some of the stuff. I, I would argue they do undo pretty much everything that that bad that happened all the characters that seem to have perished are are are, are back at the end we see them so i really don't think it quite has the that's like, heaven 
Well, but no, it's it's wish time, and it's an interesting thing that he just gets unlimited wishes at the end. That it's like, can I get yeah, more wishes? Yeah. And it's like, yeah. And it's funny that they don't show him immediately wishing for his mom to be alive. Like that was the thing that really struck we, stuck with me. Was that like his first words weren't "bring my mom back." It was like, and then yeah. I might bring some other people back too. But no, no. I mean, again, I I had heard about the the death of Atrax, the horse. Um, uh, uh, as I know that it scarred people of a certain age, and somehow that yeah. missed me when I was eleven. Like I, again, I may have not been paying as much attention as I could have been. I was probably having a, an afternoon, much like the kid in the movie, and was kind of you know zoning in and out. And my life was getting yeah. crazy around watching this movie. I can remember being in the den and trying to watch a movie that was just for me while household stuff was happening around me, you know, and just not being yeah. able to yeah. finish it well. But but I I guess I thought that that character of the the horse and their relationship was going to be built up a little bit more before he died. Yeah, yeah. But it's like, okay, we we're, we meet uh, Atreyu. Um, we we get sent on the mission. He's he's he hooks up with the horse. The next scene, they're in the mud. It's like I, I felt like I didn't get to spend enough time with the yes. horse. But I do agree that if I take it back to being a kid and watching this, and I'm not thinking about like this story is too episodic. Yeah. I can totally imagine how traumatizing it would be for the yeah. the horse. Like I know I I know how I felt when I was watching stuff at that age. How like. If two characters were together, I instantly wanted them to be like buddies and go on an yeah. adventure together. So the fact that the horse is out of the picture so early, they do sort of earn it a little bit by having him really linger on it and he yes. talks about it. And later yeah. when he sees an image, but I sort of feel like, oh, there's this whole idea of this relationship that uh, he had with the horse that I didn't get to see that... But I think the movie sketches a lot of things like that in. So I think that it is, it is sort of like... It's it's an interesting movie. It's yet it's yet another one of these movies that approaches it from outside of the norm. This isn't a Disney movie. This isn't a Lucasfilm production. This is a little bit different, and it's somebody trying to figure out something different, you know, or a, a different way into that kind of mythic storytelling. And it does have a sort of gloominess to it and a weirdness to it. And you talk about Gmork, the sort of evil spirit, the fact that not only is he freaky looking and scary, you know, even the animatronic aspect of him yeah. could look kind of phony, kind of adds to the creepiness of him. But just those eyes shining in the dark and that mouth, the way that Gmork is like wounded and seems equally afraid as he is yeah. dangerous. Um I, I think yeah, that was interesting. I mean, I feel like there's some interesting philosophical things going on in this in this movie for sure. And I do, I, I think I respond well to that. The part that I think I mentioned before about just the episodic nature of it, those are the things that prevented me from really like latching onto it as like, oh, this great saga or something that I could really think about. However. I, I think the presence of those dark elements and dwelling on death and dwelling on like I, even Gamork seems to have this kind of like it's part of something that's dying out in this world. It's like the nothing is is kind of wiping out Gamork as well. And yeah, yeah. The, the one other thing I would say is I love seeing practical effects. One thing that's funny about watching movies that use practical effects as much as possible, um, which I guess was the height of technology back then, is that back then. People are spoiled now because they show you everything. Like if something happens, you see it happen. Back then, they did what they could. And if they didn't quite get it on camera, they used sound effects or a quick edit or a reaction yeah. shot. There's a few times in this movie where whatever happens, particularly with Gamork, like there's an early scene where he's chasing Atreyu through the swamp. Um, where it's not really clear what happens at the end of that chase, you know? And then when Gamork attacks uh, Atreyu out of the cave, it's a similar moment where like, 
Okay, we know he jumps out, and we can see that they tussle, and we can see that Gamora get, gets got, but you don't really see any of that happen, whereas now that would be a five-minute or ten-minute battle sequence, you know? And yeah. I don't know that the storytelling is that much better just because we're so hooked on seeing everything. So, I don't know. It, it And also, I will say that there's a scene early on where everything's kind of red. They're just in a red sort of world, and it's basically oh, yeah, just yeah. red tinted. I mean, you know, it's an, it's like an old school effect. Stuff like that really works on me. So I think, yeah, this this was a movie that kept me interested throughout, even if it didn't quite work the nostalgic spell that it that I you know it had for for you guys. Because I can tell when you talk about these characters, they have sort of an iconic importance to you, you know, yeah. and that's just not something you have unless something gets in at that age or at least with this type of yeah. story i think um but i can totally see what it is that people latch latch onto about it and i like i said i think the hand handmade effects the physical effects i think that stuff just gets it's like it never gets more phony looking it's just as phony looking as it was the day they put the movie out but right. it gets a little more charming every day because it is a representative of a way they used to make movies that they they just don't anymore so there's a little bit more of that if you suspend your disbelief and get into it maybe it's a little bit more magical when something isn't so modern you know what i mean right. i don't know yeah, I, I, yeah 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 <clears throat> yeah i just think that there's like there's something so special about the movie and i mean this is kind of what i identify with just like ronald was even hitting it a little bit it's just you know th just the experience of bastion you know as whatever however you can relate to him whether mm -hmm. it's how ron's described or if it's like you know you're a bookworm and you love these kinds of stories you know and you love reading fantasy and there's like this want to be a part of the story and to see how he becomes a part of the story to watch that play out in a movie is, was really cool. You know, at that, at the age that I came to this film and it's still cool to me. And I think that, um, you know, it's just kind of like, it felt like a pretty epic movie, you know, at that age and um, kind of the inner want, like how the, the real world and, and Fantasia kind of kind of become intertwined as the story moves along. Like that was something pretty cool. Um, I was going to say uh, one of the things I was going to mention, um, I, I, <clears throat> I, I found the article in between the last few weeks when I rewatched it to recommend anybody that is interested in never ending story. If you haven't watched it, obviously I think we're all kind of saying, check it out. But if you love never ending story, there's a really awesome oral history that EW did in 2019 uh, for its 35th anniversary uh, with Wolfgang Peterson, the director, uh, the three main stars of Atreyu, uh, Bastion, and the Child Empress, and the singer of the song, um, you know, the Neverending Story song uh, that you can find on EW.com if you just search for, you know, Neverending Story. But it's an awesome, I, I love all those oral histories when they put those out, you know, um, when they really kind of get the whole cast and crew involved. But there's a really fun one where they just kind of talk about like kind of coming to the book and adapting it to the movie and just the production stuff with all the practical effects and things like that. Um, it's a great read if you if you enjoy this film or if it, if it has a special place in your, you know, your film history. Um, I would recommend trying to find that article. George um, Hurst. George Hurst. Yeah, George that's Hurst the, and that, Deadwood. That's yes. the Deadwood character. That's he's right. the he's the uh, predecessor to to William Randolph Hurst. But yes. <clears throat> gotcha. Um, well, Neverending Story had sequels. How do they stack up? Do you guys have any thoughts about those, those they movies? Don't, they don't stack up at all. They stack up. They don't stack up. I kind of remember liking the second one, um, only mainly because Jonathan Brandis was in it. And I like love yeah. Jonathan Brandis growing up. Rest in peace. Uh, mm, sad. 
Very sad. Um, I remember I got I was a part of his fan club and I got an autograph picture from him in the mail after I wrote him a letter. It was pretty awesome. That is maybe um, the most Steve thing yeah. that I've ever heard in my entire yeah. life. Is yeah. that you were in the Jonathan Brandis fan club. Dude, dude, what did we have back in the late 80s, early 90s? There's nothing. You got the magazine, you're like, oh, join the fan club, write a letter. And and, and you write uh, the letter and you get a picture signed, like, hey Steve, thanks for being a fan. Allow and, six to eight weeks for delivery. Yeah. That's the key. Yeah. Post, and you got to postmark the letter uh, so they can return it in the envelope. And they, they don't pay for shipping. Right. Uh, but yeah, I, I remember liking the second one. Like it's not, it, it was just kind of like a, you know, the the first one was a hit. So it's, the third one's horrible, like really bad. Um, I can't remember the actor's name that's in that one. Uh, the, well, the supposedly guy. the second one is taken from like the second half of the book. The book, The NeverEnding yeah. Story, is the basis. Like they only used about the first half of it for the first movie. So if the second one is is in, good in any way, it might be that it's linked to the same source Story. material. Yeah. Because everything you guys are talking about that imprinted on you about the kind of darkness and heaviness of some of the themes, I, that, a lot of that sound. I mean, I don't know this for a fact, but a lot of that sounds like those those are literary ideas, you know, like maybe in the text, uh, the book, it might have some of that kind of, um, oh, mournful quality to it, or, you know, this, yeah, yeah. this, and sure. I, I think that's part of a lot of fantasy stories. It's in the Lord of the Rings story. It's in, um, uh, the last unicorn, this idea that magic is kind of in danger or yeah. the, the magic that's in our world could be lost, um, in some way. And, um, what's, yeah, the nothing in the never ending story. I mean, it's, that's what it is. It's the nothing, but that's a great, it's awesome. That's a great simple concept for this kind of existential feeling that really is like a black hole that's going around sucking everything up. Oh, um, yeah. And then when you go through it, it's, you know, you're in some other realm kind of like in yeah. the end. So, so it is a very, yeah. also we should mention it has that meta aspect of the little boy reading the story being kind of visible, uh, to to Atreyu, and at some point they kind of are aware of each other, and I thought that was um, yeah, you know, so cool, man. That that was neat. That was neat, and honestly, that was another concept that's played in a heavy way. It's not like they team up necessarily. It's not like the little boy in the who's hiding reading the book has to like clap his hands really loud to give Atreyu power or anything. It's just like they're bonded in some way that I wonder yeah. maybe maybe in part two, does that continue? Does that, is that something that maybe was completed uh, in, a, in a later part of the story? The Not really. No, they're paired. I mean, he's definitely, them. he's definitely aware. Like it, it, it does. It's consistent in the sense that they're, they're aware of one another and the Bastion who's played by Jonathan Brandis. The second one does have like an impact on the story the same way that, you know, Bastion does in the first mm -hmm. one. I was gonna say the other thing I remembered about the third one is that Jack Black is in it. It's like one of his <laughs> earlier roles. He plays Slip. I gotta um, rewatch. Yeah, rewatch. But yeah, I mean, it's a classic to me. No, no, no question. Um, and again, like I said at the top, it's on. It's on HBO Max. If you want to check it out, it's there. If you have a subscription, um, and I think that maybe in 2019, if you want the physical media. There are a couple different versions of like remastered versions that came out for the 35th anniversary. Um, you know, that that's uh, out there too. But don't get the German one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you if you want to hear the thing that's Ronald's take that, that, that's his take Don't get the it's a gorgeous Blu-ray. It's a gorgeous 4K Blu-ray. But if you if you want the theme, get the American one that came out. Yeah. The theme, yeah, cool. like the theme music, or you mean like the song, the pop the song? Theme, okay. The, the intro, the, there's an intro in clouds. That is yeah. not in the beginning. Okay. The, the German one is dark, and it just has wind blowing. 
It's just a wind blowing sound with credits. It is so somber. That's and then it German. just goes into the story. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, so what's next? What are we what are we well, you oh, know. the required viewing, right? Um Oh well, yeah. Well we're we're in October, so it's time to uh, oh. to watch maybe some creepies. Oh, um shit. and I, yeah, I think a word that came up a lot in our discussion of uh never ending story uh was was magic. So Okay. I, I'm thinking why not watch the movie Magic from nineteen seventy nine. I'm checking to make sure oh, nineteen seventy eight. Um, Magic is, according to Wikipedia, an American psychological horror film starring Anthony Hopkins, Anne Margaret, and Burgess Meredith. Um, it's directed by Richard Attenborough, who, you know, okay. played John Hammond in uh, Jurassic Park. So we'll, we'll watch this movie to find out, uh, what does he say? Uh, what does someone say to him? You just, you, just because you could doesn't mean you doesn't should, mean you should or something yeah. like that. So we'll find out if maybe they should have made this movie or not. But this is the movie okay. that scarred me when I was young. I, it was another library checkout movie. Um, and this is the movie with the, uh, you know, uh, Anthony Hopkins plays a, ventri a ventriloquist who has a, a, a peculiar relationship with his his ventriloquist dummy. And you, you get to have the full creepiness of the ventriloquist dummy uh, you know, played out on film. So, And this has one moment that is one of my all-time scares in my head that I'm oh, curious wow. to see if it still works on me. Um, but it's, it's worth noting that this movie, which is kind of a, you know, it's a creepy horror movie um, that is based on a book by William Goldman and with a screenplay by the, by the great William Goldman. Um, I actually have the book on hand and I'll be reading it. So I can be super annoying when we talk about it. I can talk about how accurate it is to the <laughs> yeah. book. But also, um, I, it's worth noting that the next movie that Richard Attenborough directed, you want to take a guess as to what the next thing he directed was? Gandhi. Wow. So yeah, I mean, you know. <laughs> That's and, a jump. Well, this was just the kind of level that he was working at. He was like, I guess this was like a, this was the kind of like bring in a serious director to take this project type of movie. I think they had a, you know, it had a, a development process, but um, yeah, it's one that I remember really liking. And it was one of the early kind of horror films, you know, like a, a, a big studio horror film that uh, uh, one of the early ones I remember watching um, when I was a kid. So cool. we'll see if it still holds up. Magic. Magic. Sounds good. Right, I've never, so never seen it. I'm me either. Me either. I'm excited. Speaking of horror, Ooh, can yeah. we can we talk can we talk about the special Marvel Studios presentation to kind of get us ready for the Halloween mood? Werewolf by Night. Mwah. Man, what? This is what Marvel should be doing. Especially yeah. as they bring in more and more kind of oddball third tier characters, this is the way mm -hmm. they should be doing it because you can get a great team, like in terms of the on screen talent, and you can get a great, uh, you know, uh, people with an idea behind it, and you can make something that totally fits in with the stories that they've told if they want to make it fit in, but also exists completely on its own. And you know, this could have been stretched out to a movie and would have been pretty good. Um, I'm glad it wasn't a show. I think uh, this makes me look back at a couple of the Marvel shows they've put yes. on Disney Plus and wish that maybe we had gotten like a, uh, a one off. What if we'd gotten like a, or if we'd gotten a two episode moon night event imagine Ooh, how great right, that right. would have been imagine how high, how yeah. high we were on that character after just a taste for um, sure uh, and i think this is not just a perfect taste of this werewolf character it's a pretty simple character he's a werewolf 
but yeah. it's a it's a complete story and i said it and you agreed ronald as a comics reader this is equivalent to that that single issue you would find when you were a kid back before you collected runs and you thought about yeah. the whole continuity you would just a comic book would cross your path when you were a kid you'd be at an uncle's house or in a waiting room yeah. and there'd just be a comic book sitting there and you'd read it and sometimes you'd get a good one and this to me was like reading a good single issue of of a comic and and uh, yeah. all, you know all the all that that entails it was really uh uh super enjoyable and i kept waiting for it to screw up or have a moment that kind of messed up the vibe for me but it, it didn't it felt really felt really good all the way to the end and i think even to the point of introducing characters that now i would like to see a little more with uh with werewolf by night and his friend ted yeah yeah I mean, it was super quirky, man. Like everything from the like the intro where the the gentleman comes out of the casket and like that that won me over. Like you can't get any more quirky than that. Like, yeah, it's how like, did that go? Right? It, it's definitely like going for that, like uh, you know, like the Universal monsters, you know, yeah, the Hammer yeah. Horror stuff. Like, so I think good. that's really kind of what got me so heavily with it. Was just that, like, it felt, you know for all these things you say like marvel feels the same or looks the same or does the same whatever adjective you want to use that's the same uh a part of the process i don't think you can say that about this i mean like you know mm -hmm. it's a you know no. these are characters from comics sure um but you know there's nothing about this that's it looks or feels or moves pacing anything like no. anything that marvel does and that's a fact i think like i feel like most people that i've seen watch this have kind of all said the same thing and, you know, I kind of went into this trying not to really know a lot about it. I saw the trailer. I knew about Jaquino being involved and things like that. But, like, you know, after you guys checked it out and were very positive about it, I got even more excited to see it because, I mean, it just looked awesome. And yeah. I think that's really what works in its favor the most is just that it doesn't really feel, look, move like anything Marvel's done. And I, I honestly feel like since Endgame or, you know, the Infinity War films, like, maybe with the exception of no way home like th this is my favorite marvel thing they've put out since then like and and maybe it's because of what john said is just that it feels <coughs> like you know it makes me feel like some of the shows could have been better as like a special presentation or maybe a two episode or maybe just a, you know something a little longer or maybe this is like a sweet spot between needing to have a full series and and or not be a full movie um because yeah, just just over fifty minutes. It's like it accomplishes so much um, with the title character and with other characters that you meet in the movie. Um, yeah. But I, I I loved it. Like I can't recommend it enough. And especially because of the time that it's coming out, um, I felt I think it felt like a a great like just kind of palate cleanser for me. I feel like kind of very kind of not great about some of the marvel stuff recently which bums me out but then this came along and i was like fuck that just blew away all my expectations of what i thought it was and yeah. i loved i loved it it was great well we have the uh the guardians of the galaxy christmas special coming up in a couple months and james gunn has been very very bullish on that saying that it's okay. uh, he's happy about you know that it's one of the best scripts he's i mean he's always very bullish on whatever he's doing but like mm -hmm. he said it's a real part of the guardian story and it's going to be good so i could see how that format about 50 minutes you know yeah is a good format for a complete story and it doesn't have to throw in all the extra stuff that might make a movie in some ways 
give you all these memorable moments, but it forces you to streamline the story and maybe tell a smaller story. Um, yeah. Uh, but uh, not to say that that's what James Gunn is doing with his. I'm just saying these little one-offs, there's reason to think that might be a fun fun playground for some of these people to, who, who aren't going to stick around and direct every episode of a show or right. maybe a character that isn't going to warrant a movie. Um, I mean, as it, like the, the the pros and cons of, of She-Hulk have me wondering if that could have been a really good, like, hour-long special uh if not you know this ep like could they have pushed the effects a little bit more and maybe had a little bit more of the quality control that i think has been been bumping some people from that show but still have the tone and the comedy and whatever makes it special um like uh no i i just i i agree with you steve that like the 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 retro aspect the, these marvel things constantly are saying like this one's actually kind of a spy thriller or this one's a yeah. heist film and they're always a little bit that you know um, but this really does go for a different look and a different feel and that classic horror feel. I mean, uh, Michael Giacchino is someone who we know as a, uh, a composer, composer uh, yeah. uh, who we, who's been part of some really great scores. Um, I love that he did something so stylistically bold um, and that he was allowed to do it within this, this Marvel framework. Um, which again, yeah. this exists barely within that framework. If people are listening and they think this sounds cool, but I don't really like that Marvel stuff, this doesn't even really feel like the Marvel stuff. But what's cool about it is how it how well it does click with it in the sense that we do get a sort of a taste of a hero, a person who's clearly trying to do things, trying to save people and help people and do as much right as they can in a dangerous situation. Right. Like you still get that little intro to somebody who you root for. Um, and it still has that the fun of well, that you might want from Marvel, but without I didn't feel like this had that much of the sort of winking at the audience stuff that I think audiences might be getting a little a little uh, weary of in right the right Marvel yeah thing this this had honest jokes and honest humor, but it didn't seem like it was poking fun at its own premise too much, and maybe Marvel uh, by and large is going to move past that a little bit and just you know kind of throw themselves in with some sincerity and not feel like they have to hang a lampshade on everything kind of strange so well i'm glad i'm glad we all liked it because when i watched it i was like oh man is this gonna be one of those things that i find out other people hate but I, i've been very like very quickly i noticed people were on social media you know friends and people i follow were saying hey check this out this is actually really good um and you know uh it's similar to what's happening over on the star wars side for me with andor which is like some of the best written Star Wars that's ever been, and definitely my favorite Star Wars thing since um, since Solo, I think. Like, when I think back to the movies, like, when I was still really excited to go see a Marvel, I mean, a, a Star Wars movie in the theater, um, I think Solo was the last one that really had me completely in its grasp. And, you know, I think Andor is is like a real story and a real show and in it, not in the same way that werewolf by night functions genre wise. But I do think it's that thing, Steve, of like, what's going to make you excited about yeah. this franchise again. It's going to it. be somebody doing something that feels real, that feels like it really needs to exist on its own terms. And that feels like it's its own thing. Um, and I think werewolf by night is that. And I think that, uh, I think on the other hand, uh, Andor does that. It's like I'm I'm into that for different reasons than just that it's Star Wars, you know. Um, yeah. And that that just means I don't know who I can't remember the name of the actress from Itumama Tambien, but she needs to get her giant uh, franchise property <laughs> right now because it'll probably be really good. Yeah. Cool. What what character it's... Ronald would you pick now to do? Uh, if you could pick a character to get a special like this, do you have any Marvel characters that are left? that haven't been brought to the screen? 
That's a good question. Um, Sabretooth. Hmm. Now that we're in the realm of being able to do the... Yeah, man. Yeah, Sabretooth could be a cool one-off. That's true. We're always talking about Wolverine. I love how much... Sabretooth had a cool story outside of Wolverine. And I think that, like... Of course, I loved it. It was always on site when it came to those two. It was like, if I see you outside, I'm going to try to tear you apart, which I loved. And if they talk about that, that's cool, too. But another person, a part of the whole, like nastiness of weapon x and, and and adamantium and all that stuff that just did he's never gotten the on-screen love that he deserves even as a even as a foe of wolverine so yeah Sabretooth, a hour-long Sabretooth story yeah i loved it i would ask steve but i don't think you have any any comics memories to <laughs> I, I don't i i mean it, it not, nothing that's like more obscure um yeah. but what one thing i did think about when i was watching it because i had just watched the episode of she hulk where daredevil comes in and thinking about how many episodes that daredevil season is going to be i was thinking 18. like yeah i was thinking like maybe one of these special presentations would be a better way to introduce some or reintroduce some of the other characters from I like the, that. the, the Netflix Marvel shows instead of having to give them all shows. Because yeah. I mean, I'd love to see Barenthal come back or Jessica Jones or Luke Cage, like having any of them be back in. Yeah. So you, that didn't, you, know you didn't leave anybody there. out, Steve, when you, the, you no, all those characters no, you just named. You didn't leave anybody no, out. No, no one. They're all there. Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah. I would never. Um, Poor Iron Fist. Poor guy, man. I, what they should have done with that, they should have just done a, a Luke Cage and Iron Fist show. And that way Iron Fist could be the stick-in-the-mud, rich asshole character bouncing off of Luke Cage as they were mm. f- frequently partnered in the comics. That would have been the way maybe to get people into Iron Fist. I think on its own, Iron Fist just didn't feel like the show for now, you know, and it didn't feel like yeah. the character for now. Um, but no, I agree with you, Steve. That would be a fun approach to say, like, they could do a Luke Cage uh easter special since they've already got christmas and halloween on lockdown so so was that episode of (laughs) i love this term backdoor pilot was that a backdoor pilot we saw was that was that daredevil episode a backdoor pilot i I thought it was it's already happening so it can't be but i do think it felt like that it totally felt like that it it felt like a a network crossover of a character hopping on from another character's show but what i liked about it was that we got a slightly updated version of daredevil it was a little bit like he's a little bit more in that mcu flavor to me it was like oh they're telling us we can add this together with his cameo from uh no way home and mm-hmm. we can picture what the mcu iteration of this character is going to be like. right and i liked it i, th- I thought charlie cox was great on she hulk he was um, great man i thought the way they've modified the costume the cowl looked a little bit cooler didn't look quite before there was something kind of short like there's some kind of short about charlie cox's nose and brow that when they made mm-hmm. a cowl that fit that it looked a little bit goofy <laughs> i feel like mm-hmm. they've adjusted that made it a little bit cooler looking um you know they can do the red or the red and yellow but i just thought it was a great use of him especially the fact that spoilers folks if you if you don't want to know what happens on she hulk uh jump ahead a couple minutes um but i think it's hilarious that they hooked up and then he has like a walk of shame and it's not presented as like, this is like the next big chapter for either one of them. But I just like that within yeah. the Marvel universe, I think that's the first 
casual hookup between two established heroes that we've had and it wasn't even treated like a big deal and right, right. for all the strengths and weaknesses for me of she-hulk i think that's one of the major strengths of the show is that it can deviate from the marvel norm and show you a little bit more uh, you know in that sense a more grounded yeah. bit of human yeah. life uh, they've been a little bit more honest about you know uh, dating and that kind of stuff on that show and hookup culture and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, yeah. I felt like that was just sure. a funny use of Daredevil that um, made me hopeful that, oh, maybe he will have a little bit of spark uh, of humor in the new Marvel show, but it won't take away that essence of Daredevil. Um, right. well, I, what are they going to do with 18 episodes? I mean, there's not like a Daredevil st story from the comics that has to be adapted over that many hours. I wonder right. if they're going to give us like a case of the week type of thing. Um, and, and make it feel like an old school lawyer show, but with a superhero, you know, kind of what they're doing with She-Hulk, but in a less comedic. Right. Thing. Yeah. I mean, I'm eight. I know for sure they're probably going to take a break. I think that's one of the things. I don't know if they're going to give us 18 in a row. I think they're going to do like a mid-season break where they, you mm -hmm. know, they skip a couple of weeks and then hit us with the rest of it. I mean, I mean, if, if the story is good enough, it'll build tension anyway. I mean, yeah. that's. That's pretty cool. But yeah, 18 is a lot. That's a well, lot. That's that's like an old school like Fox season. That's right. like a That's like just know. a few episodes shy. <laughs> well, that's kind of why I'm asking is because so often these shows we feel like they're either stretched stretched out or rushed somehow or both stretched out and rushed at 6 episodes or 7 episodes. So 18 episodes it's like makes you go, "Ugh, I don't know that they need that many hours to tell a story like this." But if they are going to give us lots of cases of the week or sort of an episodic style story, there's definitely enough in Daredevil's setup, just that he's a lawyer and a superhero. You can get yeah. enough stories out of that to do kind of what you're saying, Ronald, like a traditional old school television season. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, we'll see. That's not coming for a couple of years. There's a lot of things uh, happening with Marvel. Uh, they even recently kind of bumped some things back. Um, yeah. Because what, the director left Blade? Is that what happened? Yeah, well, there were reported like reportedly a lot, like a, a lot of issues with the script, and then the first big domino to fall was the director leaving the project, and then it went back out for a director search, and they were going to rewrite the script. And from the sounds of it, it just seems like they weren't, you know, confident in where the script was and or you know what options were available for a replacement, which is crazy because the movie it's like bumped back a year, right? Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Which is crazy because, like, if if they're starting from zilch, the fact that it's still coming out in two years is nuts to me. Like that means that they have an assembly line at least for the special effects. They know they have something. It just is a little weird that it's just like from scratch. It's still coming out in twenty twenty four. Well, here's right. the thing: what? there, it tells me on certain on a certain level, like that they're invested in this like there's something yeah, 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 sure. it almost reminds me of when the obi-wan series got pumped like put on hold and then brought back and it became clear they were trying to fix what they thought was weak about it to make right. it like a major th a thing you know um whether they succeeded or not you can be the judge but i i could see them saying oh as they go forward, maybe the response to something like Werewolf by, Not by Night, maybe there's different things going on that they're looking at that slate and saying, oh, we, we kind of need Blade to be really something special. We think we could do something cool with this. And, and what we have here doesn't feel 
that great. I mean, maybe they're doing a little bit of behind the scenes cleaning up of some of those quality control problems or, you know, that doesn't mean the script they're going to arrive at is going to be great, but um, a whole year of, of extra time does give them plenty of time to kind of rejuvenate something. But it is always funny to me that a project stays on the calendar at all when it so clearly is being rebuilt from the ground up because it's almost like, I mean, that's, that's a little bit what we talk about sometimes as a negative is these movies that are created towards a release date. Um, that, that can result in some real problems. I think Marvel yeah. has enough of a, of a, uh, a process and enough of lead time on these things that usually they can be there with, with the movie they want to release in time. But it always seems a little dangerous to me when they announce, you know, five or six projects and it's, it always seems like something's destined to move. And if it's blade that really moves, then, um, I just hope it is cool because I do think, uh, now that we've seen this little taste of what the kind of Marvel horror flavor might be like, uh, it would be cool if blade can go further in that direction, maybe be kind of scary. Um, yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Especially, we'll especially see. with Mahershala. We love him. I mean, that's why you don't fuck it up is you got Mahershala that's kind of what I'm getting at. Yeah. As blade. Like, you know, you don't want to mess that up. Cause that, that could be a longevity character right there. Like you, you, you could have him for a bit. <clears throat> um, yeah. All right. Cool. Um, again, werewolf by night to circle back on Disney plus. If it sounds interesting, you want to check it out. It's a definite recommend from all of us. Um, but uh, that's there now if you want to check it out. Uh, what else have you guys watched? Anything you want to mention before we wrap the episode up? Well, Ronald, I know you saw Hellraiser, the new one. I saw it as well. I wanted, I, I kind of wondered what your general thoughts on that were. This is a reboot slash remake. Yeah. What a what a fun movie. I mean, for, for what it was, it was, it was, I mean, you know, I'm not a huge Hellraiser fan. I mean, I've seen... Bits and pieces. I, I know that I've seen one in its entirety. I know that I have, but it's been a while. Um, but I loved the feel of it. You know, it really felt like stakes, you know, and, and a, kind of this parallel with addiction. And it, it kind of felt like the, the best use of addiction since Evil, the Evil Dead remake um, a couple years ago. But it was it was bloody it was it was violent it was visceral um i would suggest it like if you if you if you're into if you're okay with body horror this was a solid horror film like it just felt like you know it didn't feel like the budget was crazy but if this is if prey and then this are kind of the standard of the movies that we're going to get i'm good with it Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I was really impressed. Yeah, I mean, I think I found it like it's very bleak in a way and kind of grim. So bleak. And so I think I did find it like I enjoyed the I thought it was good. I thought it was well done. And I, I think yeah. that like the way that it handles some of the scares by the time it gets to the end, I'm not sure that all the Cenobites work as like fear machines but some of them really yeah, do yeah, like yeah. The, some of them really do creep you out and the more you look at them the the worse it is you know yeah, um yeah. not not all of them have that effect but i think just the notion of them as being these kind of angels of pain that show up from this they sort yeah. of are they're not really part of a religious structure they're part of like a a cosmic horror structure that's outside of our experience and we might call them demons or, or angels but they're something else i think that concept is creepy um I think that the the characters, the 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 performances, the like you said, it did remind me of Evil Dead, the remake with the addiction plotline. Um, uh, and I think what really made me 
start to favorably view this movie was that I watched another movie uh, called Jeepers Creepers Reborn, which is not well made in the ways that Hellraiser is and not well written, right, right. not well acted, in my opinion. Uh, and I mean, like, it, it really made me realize how much Hellraiser, despite being like, oh, it's uh, it, eventually everyone's kind of locked into a haunted house and they're kind of being picked off yeah. by monsters. Um, that's a formula that once you're locked in, you kind of know what you're in for. Hellraiser continued to creep me out and show me little variations on that. Uh, Jeepers Creepers Reborn is just a, a mess. I mean, it's just a schlocky mess. And I, I haven't seen a lot of people defending this movie, so there's not much sense in kind of kicking it while it's down. But um, I will say this, that it had like an egregious amount of unnecessary green screen in it. Like backgrounds, people are just standing outside a house at night. And for whatever reason, they're not really standing outside a house at night. They're they're against a green screen. People are in a car, man, to the point where like the green screen people's you know like chunks of people's hair are are erased oh, in a man. weird looking way because they're up against a bright background and you can see it um just really bad in that sense i kept thinking like am i watching some, did i accidentally rent the the work print <laughs> of, of this right, right. thing i don't have a lot of attachment to the, G, the jeepers creepers mythos or anything i think that um the director for one thing has a pretty uh, uh nasty reputation is a pretty terrible person um but beyond that, I, I did not follow through on watching any sequels to it. But this one, I just thought I would check out because I knew we were recording and it's the time of year for horror. And boy, is it like, I mean, it really made me realize how much effort and and quality control went into making Hellraiser uh, because this is like that. This is what it looks like when you go and you make a horror sequel without a lot of money and out a lot of care and out a lot of, uh, you know, good ideas. Um, and I will say it, it does have this exchange in it that I wrote down just because it was I thought it was great. There's a scene where the characters are beginning to suspect something's up. Um, and and someone says, we're in an escape room. And then another character says, it's not an escape room. It's a trap. And then another character says, well, who's the trapper? Oh, yeah. Right. Right yeah. Trapper. That's a that's a real word that people use, right? <laughs> I mean, I know it is, but it who's just it's trapper? like, who's the trapper? Um, no, it is. That's what you'll be asking when you're watching this movie is who, who's the trapper? How did who's I get, the trapper? How did I get trapped in uh, <laughs> into watching uh, Jeepers Creepers Reborn? Mm. Um, does anyone here even care? I mean, I feel like the first Jeepers Creepers when I saw it, mm. I thought it had some some kind of good moments in it and it was a little bit unexpected. But I, you know, I was a little surprised that it spawn sequels because it didn't seem that like that kind of movie to me does anyone here have any attachment to those movies not the sequels i love the first one yeah um i remember when i worked for the uh marketing company here in baltimore the when one of the sequels came out the one where they're on the like the high school teams on the bus that one like breaks through yeah mm -hmm. yeah that that yeah. movie the publicity tour for that was pretty cool they like actually had the bus and the oh, cast wow. was doing their press tour on the bus. So like they were driving around to the major cities and like you could like do your remotes or the live shots from the bus with the cast. It was pretty cool. The movie wasn't good, but it was a cool shot. Yeah. Um, but the first one, I, I loved the first one, Justin Long. Uh, I thought I think that's a great one. But yeah, nah, that ending is insane in the first one. Like amazing ending, incredible ending. Um but the sequels don't have any place for me. I haven't watched probably past the the first, like the second or third one. Mm -hmm. 
<clears throat> so, so I don't know how this one fits in with any kind of like established storyline or mythology. So I, I couldn't tell you how they update the story of the creeper, but it, it felt like a, a real messy attempt to kind of repeat the moves of the first one and then try to do something different. And I don't think either, either part of the movie worked, but works. Gotcha. Um, what else? I wanted to mention, I watched, um, again, horror or sort of, the Mr. Harrigan's phone on Netflix, a Stephen King's story, okay. uh, was not good. Can't recommend that one. <laughs> I haven't, I haven't heard anything good about that either. <laughs> no, no, no. I did not like it. Uh, Jaden Martell's in it. He's the kid who played Bill Denbrow from the It movies, um, and Donald Sutherland. But just, a, just a weird, like pacing, poor, bad script. Um, I'm not. I haven't read the source material, so I don't. I don't know if that's a great Stephen King story or not. But interesting idea. Um, but I can't recommend the movie. Um, one I can recommend though, which I think is on Paramount Plus, is called Significant Other. Hmm. Oh, um, yeah, how's that? I like that a lot. I um, almost watched I will, that, so I'm glad that yeah, I will yeah. definitely say that one might be worth checking out. It's not amazing, but uh, it, I will say it is not the movie that I thought I was watching when I went to watch it. Like the trailer I saw, um, and it's kind of like, oh, what well, something's off or something's happening. Um, but within, you know, 10 minutes, you kind of see what's going on, at least in the grand scheme of the story. And then it kind of gets there's some little plot twists. <clears throat> I don't think it ends as strong as uh, the kind of middle second act of the movie is because it really kind of picks up. Um, but the very end is kind of what I liked about it, it kind of felt like kind of maybe like a, an episode of the Twilight Zone or something. Um, but uh, Jake Lacey's in it, who I love. Um, yeah. And um What's her name? Micah, uh, Micah Monroe. So she was like, yeah, she like wasn't making movies for a while. And then she put out two yeah. bangers. Apparently. Yeah. Two, yeah. Watcher watch- came out. Yeah. yeah. Love, love watching. I lo- like that Watcher one a lot. So good, man. And uh, I think you guys would dig this one. I think it's kind of okay. interesting. I'll turn it in it that that'll be uh, there is a piece of it that kind of gets a little kind of silly, which okay. is kind of the only thing I can say. It, it, it kind of <clears throat> works because of what what. It works because of where the story ends, but um, while it's happening, I was kind of like, that's kind of, it was kind of like a weird, a weird mm. scene, but yeah. um, I, it seems like not like a crazy budget, you know, like, it, it, but for what it is, I thought it's like right in that lane of like weird mystery. There's maybe a sci-fi happening. Some, something weird is going on in, in, in those woods. And uh, if you've seen the trailer, it's just a couple that goes on a hike and something happens. And that's one thing that I like about it too, is that like the whole movie is kind of really just two characters um, for the most part. There's a couple other side characters that come in for a couple scenes, but um, yeah, I wanted to recommend that. And I also wanted to say, I've watched the first few episodes of the midnight club on uh, Netflix and I'm only like two or three, I'm only two or three in, but I'm I'm digging it. I mean, like I love this, I love the the, the Christopher Blake books growing up. So I'm kind of curious to see where they kind of go as the season goes along. But so far, um, you know, it's Mike Flanagan, so I'm 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 a fan so far. Um, I I okay, saw cool. him asking on Twitter about like where people were finding yeah. the show, and it is true that it was like that it's October and it's a new Mike Flanagan Netflix horror oriented project. The yeah. fact that it's not like screaming to you from the front page is so crazy. weird. Uh, yeah, you had to di- and like even based on like your viewing, like you know I've watched all right. this stuff and like I've I've uh, thumbs yeah. up all of it algorithmically like, it should yeah. be right there for you yeah something was something had something up. had to be broken or something because yeah i saw you you liked or commented on my tweet like 
Because he was asking, and I was like, yeah, you couldn't find that shit. You had to search for it. Yeah. It wasn't even like, I, I even had like the reminder set, and it didn't even like show up at the front yeah, of, my, of my list. It was weird. Yikes. Um, um, yeah. So that's what I got. What do you got, Ronald? Let's wrap this up. Just two just two things. Um, I know what you did last summer, 25th anniversary, 4K. Um, so I got to be. What are you waiting honest. for? <laughs> What are you waiting for? I'm right here. <laughs> yes. Uh, that's my girl. That's my girl. That's my number one of all time. Huge, what are you waiting for? That's me waiting for Ronald to mention the 4K transfer of some movie that I, I never would have imagined <laughs> that like. Yeah. Before. But I mean, I, I, I'm not knocking it. I know that it's like these movies just, can suddenly be beautiful and you see them the way they were meant to be seen. But yes. I, love, I always love you lately with these sort of horror picks uh, in 4K. Yeah, man. It. Like it's. They're they're it's a cool time because they're trying to they're trying to put it in the best quality that can that it could be in right? right so that's not necessarily why I watched it what I kept hearing about it was the 4K track of it I'm like all right let me check it out man it 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 really changes the feel of this movie I I didn't I did not love I know what you did last summer growing up I like watched it to you know I watched it the other day. I was like, okay, this this mix makes it crazy. Like it just, you know, you, it, it's just spatial stuff that really hits hard. Like the whole scene where they hit the person just has this sound to it that's just so. When 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 people are not in the scene and you hear them talking over here, like that spatial sort of stuff that I'm just. I'm just a huge fan of it, it's just a banger of a release. And Sony, Sony puts out these releases, regardless of what you watch it on digital video, whether you watch it on a, uh, you know, iTunes or something like that. They just, there's a crispness that Sony's pulling off with all these releases. It's just, I'm, I'm a big fan of. And the, the last thing I wanted to talk about that may as well be a fucking horror film gorgeous in its in its scope and perspective and sound and look is severance mm-hmm. apple tv just a, a show that's haunted me since i finished it you know it's i'm just glad like, you finally watched it i almost can't believe yeah you man made i, I think i think what was i think what was happening is like you know one thing we don't talk about about apple tv stuff besides it being great is a lot of it is really dense you know so like if you're getting in the sea, you're dealing with a whole like denseness to that story. It's it's just like, am I ready to jump into this world? You know, my my, my wife just kept talking about it. You know, she she watched the end and was like, her face was kind of stuck. You know, like I came into the room and she's just like, <laughs> and then I remember you guys talking about it. I'm like, what 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 kind of ending can it be that she would be like that? Like. Is it like the Sopranos? And I watched it, and it couldn't have been a more epic. Like, I don't, I've never been so like, what? How? But he he just said, what? How? But what does this mean for the story? Credits? (laughs) It was so well done, man. Like, yeah, Ben Stiller. Will you do this, commentary this... for the whole next season of Severance? Yeah, I want to hear yeah, just that, <laughs> just of your course. reactions. What? Well, so, how? 
but you were about to say Ben Stiller, like he he's got a talk about we've been you know quality control comes up a lot on this show. Yeah, but like I mean, he's a guy who typically has a lot like there's a high level of of some some level of a concept, some level of and you don't yeah, necessarily think yeah. about it with the stuff that he does. This was the first time I really thought about that element of what he brings to a project when he's directing, and I think Severance is like stylistically so refined. You know, yeah, yeah. Walter, so Mitty, it feels like Walter nothing Mitty else. Was the first time that I was like, "Oh my god!" Like Ben Stiller might be a great director. Like whatever the execution was, and funny enough, what's the name's in it? Uh, well, I can't. I'm stuck on his name. The star of Severance, Adam Scott. Oh, Adam uh, Scott. Adam Adam Scott's in in Walter Mitty. Yeah, you know, it's like seeing him in that movie. And this is before I was like a huge, huge Adam Scott fan and Walter Mitty and how I felt about him in that movie. I did not forget about how how asshole she was. And then seeing Severance where he's he's doing so much and, and so each character is doing so much. And then unexpected heroes, unexpected villains, unexpected like these these dips and, and ebbs and flows of power that just kind of gets snatched from people and people take it back. And it's just, it's a masterpiece. I don't, I don't know if I've, I don't, I don't know if I've felt so. I haven't felt like this in a while about a show. Yeah. And, um, you know, just seeing the, the teaser that a second season is in existence and we have access to it when it comes, it just warms my heart. <laughs> and and then I saw the the damn trailer for Spirited on Apple TV with Ryan Reynolds and um uh Will Ferrell. Geez. Will Ferrell, man, like <sighs> Apple TV's working on all cylinders, man. They they, they just they come with grease. I'm just I I would say if you uh if you really like I mean, well just in on the topic of Ben Stiller directing. Sure, um, sure. We didn't mention, I don't know if you saw Escape of Denimora, but I would recommend you find that and watch that too. That was the no, series. No, no, no. I haven't seen that. That was the series he did before Severance. And uh, what, what What's is that? What's it called? Escape, it, Escape of... at Denimora. It's uh, um, Benicio del Toro and Patricia yeah, Arquette. Paul, Paul, Paul Dano, Bonnie Hunt. What? Uh, David Morse. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's great. Uh, I think she might have won some award too for it. Uh, Patricia Arquette may have won like an Emmy or something for it, um, but or, or maybe not. I don't know. It, it's great though. It's 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 a okay. really good uh, series, and I want to say that was when it aired. I think it was on Showtime. I um, remember. I remember. I didn't know that he did this. Yeah, oh, I think, and, and I think, and I think the difference there is, I want to say, hmm, I'm trying to remember. He may have directed the whole series. Okay. Gotcha, um, gotcha. Where where was Severance? I don't think he directed every episode. Right, um, right, right. But he definitely executed. Like he's behind his, his production company is uh, who produced it. But but yeah, I don't know. Just just also to put it on your radar, if you like his direction and uh, you know much more similar to the kind of what he's showing off in Severance, I would definitely recommend that one too because it's great. You, you think okay. it's more cinematic than uh, Z yeah or two. <laughs> just slightly just slightly you know um cool all right man i, don't, I was just thinking if i had anything else but that, that'll be it uh movie 
is the website. You can find all the past episodes there. Choose the podcast platform of your choice if you want to subscribe. Um, and, you know, jump from there in any of the social medias if you want to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, or YouTube, where you can subscribe to the video portion of this podcast. We'd appreciate yeah. it. And if you do subscribe, leave a review, leave a comment, hit a share button. What's yeah. your problem? Yeah, what's the problem here, guys? Yeah. Um, we'll be back next week. 353 is coming at you with We're a little uh, magic. Magic. As I'm excited viewer. about that. So, man. Let's make that happen. In just in case yeah. there are uh, m- multiple projects named that, just a reminder: this is the Magic from 1978, starring Anthony Hopkins. Okay, directed cool. by. Hopefully, and hopefully we'll be able to talk John about Hammond himself. The uh, the Halloween ends too, so hopefully we'll have all oh. seen that by next yes. week. So oh we'll, man, we'll, we'll talk that next week. So excited about that! Yeah. Yes, we, we'll see how it turns out. I'm sure it does end, but we'll see. You know how we feel about it. <laughs> Um, will, will evil die that day? We'll see. Again, I don't know. We got to wait and see, Ronald. I mean, like it's happening this 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 Friday. So, we'll, what we'll if the twist is that it doesn't end? John, don't spoil things, man. Why would you even put that into the world? I'm sorry. <clears throat> All right, Ronald, close your mouth, and uh, we're gonna say, uh, as always, you made our day. Thanks. <laughs> but who's the trapper? I didn't want a fly to go in there or anything like that. I didn't, I didn't want you to like swallow a fly or anything.